0: live if you can we're up there right now and it's time to say hi to Steve vines live from the summer palace
1: how are you <laughs> good morning yes I'm, uh,
0: <laughs> sounding like a Dalek
1: well lo- I, am I <laughs> yeah right. come on go on uh, that's my no- that's my normal way of speaking in case you were wondering um <laughs> no I was just, just gonna say I mean big this week eh the the completion of the universal uh, testing system, which, um, that's right, wasn't universal. It only covered uh, 1.78 million people. Last time I looked, Hong Kong had only over 7 million people. But,
0: but it was never going to be universal, was it, unless they said you must go down on pain of death?
1: No, no. What they did say, to be fair, was um, our target is about 5 million. And now they're saying... Um, uh, uh, who said 5 million? Where does that number come from? Uh, that comes from you, Mob. You know, the ticket collectors who pose as being government ministers. That, that That's where that figure comes from. Anyway, so it wasn't 5 million. It wasn't 7 million. It was 1.78 million. We know that because it's finished now. Yeah. And we also know that it costs $530 million, which works out at per 32 cases that were identified as a result of this at some 16.5 million per case. It's a bargain, I tell you. You, you, I mean, if you go into your park and rob or your unwelcome store, you won't get anything at that price. So it's a complete and utter bargain. But we hear from the CEO, the chief executive in name only, that you mustn't look at it in this way. No, 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 no. Um, It's a success because it's given us valuable experience in testing. Mm. Oh, That's right. When she says it's given us valuable experience in testing, she forgot to mention that actually the testing companies are mainland companies, they're not Hong Kong companies. So maybe they've got some valuable experience in testing. That would include incidentally, BGI, that is currently being sued for um, patent infringement, is in deep doo-doo over this, and... um, has had to stop a lot of its operations, but it was one of the chosen few who took part in this testing programme. But what is even more mind-boggling, I think, than the cost of it, although that's pretty damn mind-boggling by any standards, is the number of people involved. 6,000 people were deployed to 140 centres for collecting uh, these samples, plus, and this I really love about the Hong Kong government, plus four thousand bureaucrats. So that's a total of ten thousand people were involved in an exercise. It was massive. Which was described <laughs> which was described by the World Health Organization, remember? A very China-friendly organization as a complete waste of effort. They weren't specifically talking about Hong Kong, but they were talking about um, testing said mm. if you do if you have the resources to do that you have the resources to do targeting stink, and that's what counts but the government bless them they knew better they've got lots of public money to throw around lots of it lots of it slosh around so when they're not building bridges to nowhere they can hand it out to six thousand, med whatever they are um to do the testing they can do well actually they can do anything at the, at the moment because if you criticize them you could be in breach of the um, national security law you could be unduly politicizing what's going on mm. you could be in fact quite smelly all round. so back to square one
0: <laughs> really yeah <laughs> do, okay so, so here we are it's um there's a lot of stuff going around echoing what you've just said, um, and I even saw people using Sino people who I, I don't even know if they know you. So you've that's <laughs> you've got some answering to do there. Uh, anything good at all, Steve? It's an obvious. Put,
1: put your logical Sorry?
0: Put your logical hat on. Try and find an upside to this. And if you can't, you can't. Well,
1: no, no, the upside to this, but it's actually got nothing to do with the testing program. Is that the rate of infection is going down? that the Hong Kong economy is opening up, and that hopefully, but hey, no one should be stupid enough to give um, absolute guarantees, but hopefully, we are actually getting back on track again. But, you know, (laughs) we've been one step forwards, two step backwards too many times for anybody to confidently say, you know, are we in a better situation than the United States, Brazil, or India? Well, yes, I think I think. We can say it the
0: time to stop doing comparisons? That, again, is a very common internet thing. Uh, yeah, but what about this? Yeah, but what about Brazil? What about the States? Well, we're not in
1: Brazil or the States, are we? We're here. No, we're not. I mean, it's just comparative performance. Um, I, I mean, it is useful as a measure. You know, infections per capita, how many people have had the virus, how many people have recovered from it. I mean, th- these are useful as as benchmarks to know how you're doing. But at the end of the day, to the people who unfortunately have died from coronavirus, it's little comfort, Hmm. to the people whose businesses have been destroyed destroyed during the pandemic, it's of limited comfort. And to the people who've been laid off work in their hundreds of thousands, take no notice whatsoever about the unemployment figures because they don't reflect the army of part-time workers in Hong Kong. So to all of those people, mm. to be told that the situation in Brazil is worse, is, is worse, I would think is a very small comfort indeed. It's like chalk and cheese, but, chalk and know, oranges. It's,
0: yeah, but it's a it's very, it's a very human oranges. thing to do, isn't it? Have you noticed? Very human thing to say, ah, yeah, but what about X? And it doesn't help us saying, what about X?
1: Well, you know, there's a lovely example of that. I, uh, just this week. Um, where anybody, um, you know, if we've still got the listener listening, they'll, they'll, they'll know that in Britain that the uh, government of Boris Johnson is doing a fantastic attempt to, to diminish the relationship of uh, Britain with the rest of the world. It's saying it's signed up to an international treaty with the European Union and is now going to uh, ignore bits of the treaty that it doesn't like. They've actually stood up in Parliament and said that's what's going to happen. Hmm. And I've seen this rash of pro-Beijing uh, commentators going, ah, "See, Britain, ah, yeah, but- British, treaties." Ah, 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 ah. I mean, you know, the quacking that's going on, the delight, the sheer absolute um, reveling in the misfortune of, of Britain, and. Believe me, I think it's a terrible thing that the, the Johnson government is proposing to do. But, you know, the conclusion that they draw is because somebody else is as smelly as we are, it's a great thing. Here's another idea. Why not compare yourself with the best, not with the worst? Yeah. Just an idea. I'm throwing it in there. I, I doubt it will gain any traction. Let's
0: talk about this for a second. Think about it. Yeah, you're well up on British politics. Did you see this coming in any way? I mean, loads of people are saying Boris Johnson. We told you so.
1: Well, I mean, I don't think you need to be a, a, a great mystic Meg <laughs> to have worked out that Boris Johnson is a serial liar, that Boris Johnson has a track record for always blaming other people for his mistakes, for really... Um, being focused on the one big thing that matters to Boris Johnson, which is um, Boris Johnson. So, yes, I think, you know, what's the mess that Britain is now in over the um, disengagement from the European Union, and indeed, incidentally, over the pandemic, mm. was predictable. I mean, he's got stuff full of the tear that's been taken off the shelf from among the uh, Conservative Party members of Parliament. I mean, it's it, it's not. It, it, you, you know, they used to use this word "omnishambles," but I'm I'm kind of thinking that omnishambles doesn't meet the meet the criteria. It's it's very depressing.
0: Whilst we're on the subject, Steve, can you, in very simple terms, describe how you understand the island situation? What it really would mean if you were there.
1: Well, I think um, the Ireland situation, is, I know this is a stupid thing to say, so of course I'll say it. It's both complicated and simple. Okay. The simple bit is that Ireland remains as a member of the European Union. And as far as its relations with Britain are concerned, hmm. it's dealing with a third country, even though it shares a land border with Britain between the North and the South. Right. The problem is that Britain wants to say that despite the fact that it wants to break its agreements with the European Union, it wants to retain an open border with the Republic of Ireland, which, which is what everybody says is a good idea. Right. The problem is, if you want to do that, you have to have an international agreement. You know, I mean, it, it, you, you can't just throw the toys out of the pram and say, I want, I want a new car, I want a new teddy bear, you know. The reality is that they are dealing with an international treaty. <clears throat> They're dealing with an organisation that Bruce used to be a member of and is now volunteered not to be a member of. Yeah. And the consequences of that are that agreements have to be reached. I don't think it's that vastly complex in a way.
0: So, I mean, again, the reality of this, that's the bit people are stumbling on. I mean, I totally understand. Thanks for the explanation. Brilliant. But so he does this. What's going to happen? He doesn't do this. What's going to have you thought? Have you got any sort of possibilities?
1: Well, I, th- I think the, the the main possibility, and, and to my mind, you always need to focus on how it will affect people. Yeah, is you can see it in in what's happened in the trade deal, one of the few substantive trade deals that Britain has managed to. Agree since leaving the European Union. Remember, leaving the European Union would, would enhance the freedom of Britain to trade with anybody who wanted to, blah, blah, blah. Well, so an agreement has been signed, a trading agreement has been signed with Japan. Admittedly, it only accounts for 2% of British import, exports, but hey ho, it's better than nothing. Mm-hmm. What is the most significant thing about the agreement with Japan is it's some. Um, more or less the same as what they had before. So, you know, at best, at best, all they're gonna get out of these trade agreements is what they had before. I'm not quite sure how that's a phenomenal to how it's going to make the economy soar into the outer, outer stratosphere. I, I just don't see it.
0: Mm. Well, listen, let's turn the clock back to 2016. And it did seem at the time very much that in the referendum, I think it was 2016, a lot of people were going, we want blinking foreigners, we want our country back. Do you still think it was based on that mentality?
1: Yes. And and I I, I actually appreciate why people voted um, against the continued membership of the European Union. Mm. There was this feeling that there was this sort of ghastly elite in London who were doing down the rest of the country and were, you know, were too busily obsessed with, with mixing with foreigners and not paying enough attention to the country. itself. So I understand why people felt that. Yeah. And that's why they voted. I think they mainly voted for negative reasons. They didn't vote for positive reasons. Yeah. Whether people really thought that they would get richer as a result of leaving the european union i don't know if they did think that they're going to be immensely disappointed
0: did they not realize that do you think it was to do with all these years that britain was part of the eu things were actually very comfortable logistical things were were actually i wouldn't say easy but they were made to join in the middle of nicer and now that's been yanked away um the jigsaw isn't so smooth Uh is it
1: I think you could actually use the word easily. It it, it was seamless borders. I mean, particularly for travel, if you had a European, if you have a European Union passport, which British people soon won't have, Mm -hmm. you could go and visit all those countries of the European Union without any hindrance. Your goods could seamlessly cross one way and the other way between the borders of of these various countries. So I think in that sense, it, it was easy. And, you know, people are really extraordinary. They, they 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 don't want to face the consequence of their actions. So they're now saying, well, oh, this is very unfair. Now that we've left the European <laughs> Union, it's not the same as it was before. Well, you know, goodness me. Um,
0: Business visits you know, and stuff, Steve. too. something
1: to be... <laughs> different it will be different
0: yeah touring business visits um groups of people having to go from one place to another i believe now in all sorts of professions they need to tour and it's a nightmare
1: well i mean maybe we're in a new world anyway and more of these business meetings will be conducted virtually by by the miracle of the internet but um you know you're not going to cease human interaction across borders i mean that's a completely ludicrous suggestion Hmm. and if it's only and it won't be but if it were only for british people wanting to travel overseas for holidays i mean i don't think you know despite the um obvious delights of going to blackpool on your holiday every year there are perhaps would like to go somewhere else
0: We've got about a minute or so before we've got to split for the news, but just in the big picture, throughout your career, you've seen some real ups and downs in that country. Is this one up there with the likes of poll tax, or is it bigger in terms of reaction? Is this a real cracker of a faux pas?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. I mean, I, I can think... I'm just talking not, not in my lifetime, but in my journalistic career. Yeah, that's what I mean. I, I'm thinking of these significant moment, um, the miners' strike, which effectively um, uh, destroyed most of the trade union movement, not all of it, Mm. in Britain was another. These were big cataclysmic events. And the other one that I would mention, because it was was minor in the sense that it involved very few people, but major in terms of national impact, was the Falklands War in the 1980s. When Britain got into its head that because it had defeated the Argentinians on this tiny island, the Falkland Islands, Britain had somehow become an imperial world-beating power again. I mean, it was, in my view, unfortunate that, that, that that impression was conveyed. None of it, none of it is as major and consequential as leaving the European Union.
0: Let's put the pause button on for a couple of minutes. It's very nearly news time. If you want to get in touch, find us on Facebook Live or Morning Brew at rthk.com. It is right now, 29 minutes to 11. Let's get down to it. Got a couple of messages here from people. Rick was saying people managed to travel in Europe pre-Euro, no problem. Pat says, stop banging on about Brexit, Steve. It wasn't about the economy, it was about democracy. And Andrew says, is this the issue on Steve's menu today? No, Andrew, I brought it up anyway. Anyway. Good point. The Hong Kong administration declining to lobby Guangdong police or China higher ups to allow the 12 uh, collared HK speedboat passengers to meet their families appointed lawyers and getting on with charging them for the border infringement, then returning them to HK to face any local charges against them. Question mark. There you go.
1: Well, should we pick up on that last one? Because it is something that I think is tremendously interesting. So... This is about the 12 Hong Kongers who got in a speedboat in Sai Kung to Taiwan mm-hmm. to escape um, from Hong Kong. It's, it's a method of leaving and arriving Hong Kong that's very well known to a lot of Hong Kong people who originally arrived from the mainland in little boats um, when it was illegal to come here in other ways. So there's a deep resonance in this sort of thing. But in this particular instance, it seems very clear to me, and I think it is to others as well, that their whole project was idiotic and doomed from the moment it started. Mm. Probably there was infiltration which made the authorities aware that this was happening. The Hong Kong authorities did nothing, waited until the boat got into uh, Chinese territorial waters, and Mm. that was where the arrest was made. So far, so not quite so clear, but kind of a picture is emerging. Yeah, What's happened now is really worrying. With the Hong Kong authorities saying, virtually, we don't like these people, therefore we are not going to take responsibility for their fate. It's entirely in the hands of the mainland authorities. Now, that objectively, of course, is true because they're detained. On the mainland and they will go through the mainland judicial process what isn't true and what is appalling is the lack of assistance that they're receiving from hong kong they are you can't just say we'll only assist people from hong kong that we like we're not going to you know if if our residents are involved in a problem in the mainland and we don't like them we'll simply ignore them in the past where hong kongers have got into difficulties in the mainland The authorities here have provided support to them and have tried to alleviate their situation where it's been possible. It's very difficult in the Chinese judicial system. First of all, we hear that the legal representation that their families have tried to provide for these 12 has been disallowed by the Chinese authorities. The the lawyers have either been barred from representing their clients or have somehow been persuaded to withdraw. They will now get um, representation by whoever is appointed by the Communist Party authorities to represent them. They will then enter into a legal process. And remember, in the Chinese legal process, 99 point whatever it is percent of people who appear before a Chinese court are found guilty. So I don't think it's an exaggeration to say is that the outcome of any judicial proceedings are inevitable. Mm -hmm. It's no good for Ronnie Tong, who seems to have emerged as the main government spokesman nowadays, although he's only an Exco member, to say, well, you know, what do you expect? If you keep criticising the judicial system in China, they're going to get upset. Well, I'm sure they are going to get upset. I I understand that. But, you know, uh, he's a lawyer. He's a barrister. he's He's actually been the uh, chairperson of the Bar Council said so he knows perfectly well what goes on in the Chinese judicial system. Mm. He knows that you're guilty as charged and will be found guilty. He knows that sentencing will come with political considerations. All of this is happening. But for people from Hong Kong who get into trouble on the mainland, and this is not an unusual occurrence, this is a bigger event than most but it's not an unusual occurrence. It's more than depressing to learn that their backs, Hong Kong government does not have their backs.
0: Steve, would it be fair to say that they're done for and a point needs to be made? That's the thinking.
1: Oh, oh, indeed. Oh, indeed. I mean, while all of this is going on, the Hong Kong government is demanding that Taiwan returns five people who also entered Taiwan illegally. Can you imagine the uproar there would be in but Taiwan? Isn't that if where these we started people there? were indeed. Yeah, well, I mean, if they were sent back, I'm just saying, can yeah. you imagine what uproar there would be there? So, you know, not only is Hong Kong not protecting its own citizens, but it is adding to the problems of cross-strait relations by making it so people in Taiwan what a dangerous place uh, Hong Kong has become, and how little cooperation they can expect. And just in case anybody listening to this has forgotten, which I'm sure they haven't, why the extradition bill, which caused all the protests in the first place, was brought into effect, which was because of this murder case in Taiwan, in, including, uh, sorry, uh, um, concerning two Hong Kongers, yeah. and Taiwan asking for the extradition. Of the self-confessed murderer from Hong Kong, mm-hmm. and Carrie Lam told us many, many times, the law was the extreme urgency in achieving justice for the murder victim, this young young woman who was murdered. Yeah. What well, is the reality? Oh, that's right. He's free and walking around Hong Kong. That's the reality. Mm-hmm. That's where the urgency in returning him to justice now stands you're
0: talking about these 12 guys and being protected by the hong kong government steve but surely they're saying well you try to run away from us so once again we're going to make an example of you
1: that is indeed what they're saying they're saying they've broken the law and you must accept the consequences i mean i don't think what's in dispute is that they've broken the law i think that's not bother with that stupid argument of course they've broken the law what's in dispute is whether they are entitled as residents of Hong Kong, Mm. to obtain the protection and the assistance of the government of Hong Kong. That doesn't mean that they won't be found guilty. They will be, obviously. They're going into Chinese court. Everybody's found guilty in Chinese courts. The question is, will they be awarded some form of proper legal representation? Will anybody in Tamar lift a finger on their behalf. Those, to me, are the questions, not the question of guilt. Mm.
0: Well, Andrew, you 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 wrote that. I mean, um, thanks very much. What do you reckon, mate? Please just uh, add to your comment on our Morning Brew Facebook feed. Uh, opinions are uh, very valuable to us here and there. On you go.
1: Well, I just want to, very briefly, because, I mean, it's the elephant in the room. Let's just return for a moment to the uh, coronavirus crisis. Um, the government's now announced another package of um, economic um, palliative measures, which uh, will, will amount to $24 billion. And I noticed that of that, yet again, only 20%, 4.5 billion, mm. is going directly into the pockets of people who've become unemployed as a result of this pandemic and the economic fallout from it i mean the government is offering very small sums of money you know if you run a fitness center that's been closed for two months you'll get uh fifty thousand dollars for most of them that won't even pay the rent Let alone oh, any yeah. other costs so yet again you find that the government is pleading poverty hmm. it's an interesting concept Considering this is a government well, this is the government which is which is still planning in the middle of all of this nonsense to spend six hundred billion dollars on what they call landau tomorrow. Mm. Um, they want um, they they want money for for feasibility studies. They want money for this and that. I mean, you know, no white elephant is too large. The government has money for all of that. Eye-watering sums of money. But when it comes to money for the people of Hong Kong, and goodness knows, there's too many of them. God, they're all over the place. When it comes to the people of Hong Kong, uh, we're very poor. We can't afford it. Oh, there'll be tax problems. You know, every excuse under the sun. But the fact is that the the economic measures have actually been helpful. I I don't question that they have, but they're just too little and not enough. Oh, well, too little and not enough is the same thing. But you know what I mean. They're just too little, and they've been a bit slow in coming, frankly. And for people who've been really hard hit by this crisis, it ain't going to help them. It really isn't. And it's, and it's appalling because, after all, the money we're talking about is our money. It's not. doesn't come from some mythical somewhere else. It comes from the people of Hong Kong. Mm. And maybe they don't think that it was a great idea. We 130 uh... million
0: we received an email from Douglas. I don't. I don't know if you've got it in front of you. Have testing you?
1: the useless testing scheme.
0: Yeah, I hear you. Uh, did you get Douglas's email? There, have you got it in front of you?
1: I do. He says um, Hong Kong's slide into authoritarian government is getting steeper and faster. Calamity carrying her handlers in the liaison office have deftly undermined. Oh, sorry. Yes, have deftly undermined fifty years of public service culture in six weeks. But if the government can act with impunity, exemplified by the fact that the police received no criticism at all, never told off or questioned, even the 12 year old snot kicking did. This was, he's talking about the, um, the girl, 12 year old girl who, who was kicking the streets yeah. didn't get a reprimand. Will corruption be far behind? Wait till the police start asking for small favors is the ICAC going to act you know what if nothing else if nothing else emerges from this enormous uprising that we've seen in the last year or so I think it's very unlikely that normal relations between the police and the public can be easily restored I wouldn't say never because never is a very long time but at least in the foreseeable future The level of distrust is such a chasm now and the absolute terror that that, that grips officials in even muttering a single word of criticism (coughs) over police action we saw in the courts yesterday two defendants getting off by a magistrate who basically said look you know the evidence i've got from the police is worth Hang on, I need to find a word that isn't rude. Is worth nothing. That's why they got off. So, you know, the police are allowed to give what has been judged in the court to be false evidence. And we all know, as of today, there'll be no repercussions for it. Nothing will happen to them. And if a 12-year-old girl is rugby-tackled in the streets, held down by the neck because, you know, she must weigh all of 40 kilograms... Um, That's all right. That's fine. Pregnant woman is tackled to the ground. Well, that's all right. That's fine. She shouldn't have been there. And on it goes. You know, there's got to be a stop to this. There really has. And if there isn't, as Douglas suggests, if the police get into their heads, and I'm talking about the individual officers, that they can always act with impunity, why on earth will this not lead to corruption? I can't think of any police force in the world that acts with impunity, that isn't riddled with corruption. We've had that experience in Hong Kong. We thought that it had been eliminated in the 1970s with the creation of the ICAC. Do we want to go back to those days again? I very much doubt it. Got a
0: reply here from Andrew, a good one. You'll uh, have something to say about this. He said, we all agree that they should be tried for illegal border crossing and then in Hong Kong for any criminal acts. What's worrying, says Andrew, is a high-ranking PRC official announced on brackets banned in China Twitter that they are all separatists. Carrie Lam was quizzed about this on Tuesday in a press conference and would not dare respond. Thanks, Andrew.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a very good point from Andrew is that of course the the charge of illegally leaving um the territory is is it's not a very major one but if they're now going to be charged for separatism subversion of state power treason the whole gamut of the national security law which sounds as though is the case then we're talking about very very serious charges indeed and it goes to show you that under the national security law, you can bring these enormously widespread charges. And of course, in a, in a Chinese court, you know the outcome of them. Where are we heading with all of this? I mean, it is very, very worrying indeed, if, if you just suddenly in the middle of a process decide, oh, well, we can't figure around with the laws as they are. Hey, i tell you what, we've got the national security law. That's a good one. And when I say we've got national security, well, that's here. I mean, those laws are already in force on the mainland. Yeah. So, yeah, Andrew, you, you've got a bit of a point there. One more, Steve, a few minutes. Well, <coughs> one more. Let's, I mean, because everybody's sitting comfortably or not, is maybe the case. The MTR, And yet again, we hear that the the infamous, now absolutely infamous, chart into central link is going to be delayed and it looks as though now it won't come into operation until the third quarter of 2012. If lucky. It, remember this was supposed to be an operation in 2018 um, that seems to have gone. So we're talking about we're talking about cost overruns and then we're talking about the MTR still majority owned by the public through the government shareholding and their answer to everything is, someone else is fault. Oh, yeah. Not us, mate. No, <laughs> not us, mate. Whoa, blimey. Had we known <coughs> that those companies were going to put faulty signaling in, oh, blimey, we would have, you know, go, not more than our job's worth, mate, To, to, you know. This is kind of the attitude you get from a so-called public institution, and it is still majority owned by the public. The level of irresponsibility and incompetence at the ntrc is a wonder to behold they've purged the management they've got a new management team and they've really been spectacularly effective in doing the same as the old management hey that's a bit of a result isn't it <laughs> they're using the same old tactics nothing to do with us oh goodness me very 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 worrying that these things are happening but hey who knew who knew cool. Blimey. <laughs> It's kind of funny, and it's also tragic. And as somebody who's dying to use this, because it would be very convenient to me where I live, the idea that I'm going to have to wait another couple of years before hopping on a train to send us in doesn't fill me with as much pleasure as perhaps it should do. Love your work, Steve. We'll do it again next week. And thank you for your messages on Facebook and to Douglas email.